Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels, your book club for movies. I'm Josh. I'm Gary. And I'm David. This week on So Many Scares, we review a horror movie classic and David's pick, The Shining, the movie that one Letterboxd reviewer called a masterpiece. We had a wide range of reactions to this movie, but I think we all landed in a place of respect. It was a first time watch for me, and I have one big question. What was with that freaking bear man? Plus, Josh tells us his initial thoughts on one of the year's biggest movies, Killers of the Flower Moon, while I saw one of the most famous vampire slayer movies, Buffy. Eh, the show's better. We've got all that and more this week on So Many Scares. It's Halloween month here, so be sure to check out our past episodes if you haven't gotten to those yet and you need something to watch before Halloween. We got those out there. Find us online at so many sequels.com. You can find links to our past episodes there and our social media channels where you can follow us online. Uh, and if you really love the show and want to support us directly, go to patreon.com slash so many sequels and join us there. You can get Discord access and hang out with us uh, there. So go check all those things out at so many sequels.com. Without any further ado, enjoy our discussion of The Shining. Guys, it's been a terrifying Halloween so far for me. Has it? Uh, lots of scares and lots of nonsense. So many. Really? So many scares. Because uh, I haven't just been watching the movies that we've been watching. I've been trying to watch some other movies as well. Right. Yes. Sure. Sure. Such as? Yeah, what, uh, the what, Flash. What? That was terrifying. Oh, now terrifying. that's awful. Oh, boy. You finally made it to The Flash, huh? I did. Watch The Flash. That's a horror uh, movie for sure. Yeah, you know it wasn't as bad as I was led to believe, but was ah. still bad. Was still bad. That's the the key qualifier there. Uh, yeah. So and then, and then I also watched a Knock at the Cabin. Oh yeah, the uh, M Night oh, Shyamalan movie from earlier this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like that movie has gotten worse with memory. Oh. Mm. Mm. Well, what did you think? I liked it. I think I liked it at the time. And then as I've seen other movies, I think it's just been like, oh, I was just, that just came out in February. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had, it had the early to the, it had the like first to the bowl kind of bias where you're like, hey, what a great first movie. Um, <laughs> you know, I liked it. I've liked it well enough. Uh, I do think, you know, you're conditioned to expect a twist right. with M. Night Shyamalan. And uh, the twist here was that there really was no twist. That it was kind of, if you figured it out in the first 10 minutes, you figured it out. There was nothing else to figure out, you know. Uh, So uh, I appreciated that level of it. It didn't try to surprise me. Uh, At the same time, you know, it was was the performances that really elevated it. You know, it was Dave Bautista. It was, uh, it was Jonathan, it was, uh, is it Jonathan Groff? Is that his name? Uh, I believe so. You know, I do remember the performances being good. Yeah. Dave Batista was quite good. Yeah, and uh, you know, so they were all fantastic. That really elevated it, I think, for me in a lot of ways. Have you guys been watching anything else uh, the last few weeks, Josh? Yeah, I, I've watched some things. I haven't watched a lot of horror outside of the show, unfortunately. Um, I've been trying to, but I just haven't really. I don't know. I don't think it's the the spooky season hit me as hard. This time is it? I agree with that. I think it's because it's been like too damn hot. Yeah, it's too damn hot for the spooky season. Doesn't feel like a real spooky season. So the pumpkins and I'm running out of time. Unfortunately, I gotta like I have some some favorites I try to watch every year that I need to get to. Um, But I did uh, go see Killers of the Flower Moon over the weekend, and Mm. you know I don't want to do a full breakdown of it because I feel like potentially we might talk about it on the show. Uh, down the line somewhere again, but I will say uh, that it it uh, it's really good. It may have exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I was really hesitant of the three and a half hour runtime, and mm-hmm. I gotta say, I didn't feel it as much as I was afraid I would. It is paced pretty well, and uh, and a lot is packed in to the story all throughout so it does feel like pretty much every minute is earned so if if that is a concern for you that's my experience uh that maybe Mm. if you're open to it it won't be quite as distracting i did have to go get up and go to the bathroom that's normal for me in most movies though uh two and a half run p endorsed but not sponsored by yes this guy run p is a great app it'll tell you when to go but Mm -hmm. a a quick rundown 
I, you know, I can only speak on this movie from the perspective of, you know, a, a guy who doesn't know a lot about the history of this story because of the nature of how it was hidden. I'm not, you know, part of the Osage culture, so I can't speak for any of that, and I wouldn't try. But I will say, I, I think that considering this is a movie told by, um, you know, a white man, Martin Scorsese, uh, he does a pretty good job with it. Um, you know, there was, this movie was rewritten at one point after the Osage Nation started to help more. And the original version focused on uh, Jesse Plemons' character, who is the FBI agent who is sent mm-hmm to Osage County and now this version of the movie centers around Ernest Burkhart and Molly Burkhart and the Jesse Plemons character doesn't even show up for a very long time to be honest with you so it was a massive change to incorporate what the Osage Nation wanted to see in this movie and I think that's really good Um, performances are great what everyone is saying I think is true maybe Leo's best Uh, Lily Gladstone is Probably a lock for a lot of awards. And then just the supporting cast. It's fun to see Brendan Fraser on screen again. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons is great. He's one of one of our best right now, I think. Uh, overall, really good. I can't... I, 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 I don't have a lot of complaints about it from my point of so, view. So you're not in the camp of Brendan Fraser needs to get back his Oscar. You know, I saw that going around. <laughs> uh, really just from one source. Yeah. Uh, but I... Not only is that a laughable idea to suggest that because you think one performer's uh, performance in a movie was bad that he should return uh, an Oscar for a different performance, uh, but yeah. I genuinely was shocked to find that anyone thought Brendan was bad in Killers of the Flower Moon. That never even occurred to me. I thought he was fantastic as usual. Uh, People just want to hate. <laughs> I guess. People just want to hate. Uh, he's a smaller part, yeah, but he's great yeah. with what he does. So no, I don't think Brendan should give back his Oscar because some dork on the Daily Beast didn't like uh, his his role in Killers of the Flower Moon. But um, so good. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, it's on my yeah. list. Uh, we have a lot of connections to it. Will our friend and former host uh, be on the short list for uh, best supporting actor, yes. Andrew Nichols? Yeah, of did course, you, of could, course. You, could you yes. find that yes. bum Andrew Nichols? I could tell you that I saw Andrew Nichols in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love to hear it. Is it. Awesome. We love He's to very hear excited it. about it. He's, he has seen it twice yes. already. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he was like, look for me here. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I'm gonna have to ask him what the like how how yeah, far well, he I said do, somewhere I do near think the beginning. It needs to be yeah. pointed out, or you'll you'll miss it because it's not like a super hey. close up of him. But if is you have enough scene? warning, you can go. Oh, that is Andrew. Okay, is it in the <laughs> scene with all a, the cars? Um, like the race. There like some is, kind of race is going on. Yes, yes. Because he posted a photo of himself uh-huh. from some of the screenshots of like, or maybe not screenshots, but some of the uh, 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 set photos. And there's a scene where all these like colorful cars racing or doing something. Mm-hmm. And he's like running right behind one of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if there's any moment you're going to see Andrew Nichols, it's got to be that yeah. scene right there. Yeah, and it is. It, I, I want to say, if I remember it correctly, it's like kind of a zoom out drone shot. And you see him running from above. <laughs> I and I was wait. like, oh my god! And according to him, wait. he's in another scene later, but I didn't see him there. So he, he'll have to okay. show me that one. Okay. But yeah, yeah we'll friend of the show. I spy with my little eye. Uh, but it's, it's good. I do highly recommend everybody see it. The yeah. The anticipation has been worth it. It's It's a really good movie, and I hope... If anything, it just uh, opens up more people to this history, so they can learn more about it. There's a really great, there's a really great moment in the film where the people who are suffering these murders are also watching a newsreel footage reporting on the Tulsa Rays massacre that is happening at the same time and people don't talk about that either like this was in a bit of an epidemic in this part of the country at the time apparently uh because much like greenwood um osage the osage nation was wealthy and they Mm -hmm. drove fancy cars and wore fancy clothes and 
um, uh, the people at the, the white people of that time couldn't couldn't take that, and so that's that's the story. And seeing them tied together was p- super powerful to me. I thought, wow. So well, I'm glad that it's good. I um, definitely want to see it. It's on my uh, list. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got to carve out a couple hours uh, because. Well, because I have to assume, Four if you, you know, go to the movie theater. Because, <laughs> you yes. know, trailers and all that. Trailers, you know, adds to it. And I'm not against uh, necessarily a long film. I've seen a lot of movies that have hit that three-hour mark over the last couple of years. But when you add the trailers, you add the commute. Because uh, it's going to be about, for me, if I go to if I go to somewhere in Tulsa, that's going to be about a 25-minute trip uh, there and back. Or, uh, you know, almost an hour there and back mm-hmm. uh, uh, between the two. And... Uh, Nikki's already decided she's just good to wait for it to appear on Apple. And that's fine, but, too. Yeah. I think, it, you is. know, I get that. Uh, and uh, I just hope that, yeah, I hope that if it's, if, you know, you don't want to wait for it in theaters, that you, people will at least give it a chance at home. Yeah, and that's why I need to, I need to find, a, I got to, I have to pay back that five hours somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Uh, with, but before we move on, I, I know Garrett's been watching some stuff, too. What have you been catching up on horror-wise? You know, the most recent, actually I watched it, uh, I haven't watched much this week, but I did forget one that I watched last okay. week, uh, which might tell you a few things. Um, it was the original Buffy the <gasps> Vampire Slayer. Oh, without Sarah Jessica Parker, or not Sarah Jessica Parker, the Sarah one Michelle Gellar. With, <laughs> Sarah Jessica I don't, Parker. I already don't remember her name. Uh, I apologize. Um, hmm. You know, I liked that movie a lot growing up. I really enjoyed it. Really? I liked it. Yeah, it was one that I. It's again kind of a movie that I watched with my sister, and like, um, like when we were off school or something, and we would watch her. Her birthday was um, in October, and I feel like we would watch that sometime around there. Um, and so, I have positive memories of it. Uh, nostalgia. Uh, it's not great, no. though. <laughs> um, performances are pretty bad. Um, but it's also a movie of the time. At the time, I mean, uh, early David Arquette. Um, you've got Luke Perry, R.I.P. Mm. Um, I wish I could remember her name off the top of my head because I don't have the ability to look it up. So if you gentlemen want to look it up, then that would be great. But um, uh, she, I feel like, you know, was such an uh, empowering female character, um, especially with the show and the way that she was portrayed in the show, um, that when you go back and watch it, you just realize how poorly women were portrayed in general in order for her to be seen as such a strong female character, in my in my white man's opinion. I don't know. I, I'm not here to, like, preach to, to anything. But, like, it really felt like she um, just uh, had that 90s woman aloofness that they give in movies and then they gave her superpowers and that was really it Mm -hmm. um and that's not you know really how it it doesn't hold up well plus joss whedon he just doesn't write women he i mean he he never got better he doesn't he doesn't write women well so like the dialogue is bad um it's fun to watch in in that like it's not great but kind of enjoyable um so yeah it was all right i gave it a two and a half Mostly for like nostalgia hits. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. movie was on my short list for this month. Oh, really? Give it a shot because I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I went with the craft instead, which which is which was down the same path. <laughs> you should you should watch Buffy just because like compared to, like that's an interesting. Uh, I, I mean, the craft is oh, it's way better, but it's better. Yeah, without question, in the same ballpark. I think of yeah. what they're going for. Uh, yeah. Though the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie was something that I didn't even know existed until after the show. I didn't know there was a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't grow yeah. up with it. So I remember finding that out and being like, what? And it's a different person? What is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I It's don't... almost like a weird pilot. Right, right. It's weird that a movie like that can come out and, I mean, do not well and then get a TV show greenlit. <laughs> Yeah, Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, R.I.P., Luke Perry, R.I.P., Hilary Swank, She's David Arquette, um, Stephen Root, who is always a pleasure oh, to see great, in a movie. Yeah. yeah, he's wonderful, wonderful. Um, uh, Thomas Jane. Oh, hello. The Punisher. <laughs> the Punisher, or Mickey Mantle. 
So it's got a good cast, too. I mean, again, I'm not saying don't watch it, and I'm not trying to hate on it. It just, for me, it certainly didn't hold up well, with, especially with the uh, way women are portrayed now Yeah, I mean, compared to how they were. I think it was really, it was, what, 97 or something? 90. No, I think it was earlier than that. it was 92. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I said that. But anyway, it was... Uh, <laughs> Just a weird. It was a time where, like, yeah, like you said, the standard was so different uh, for what qualified as like a creative, uh, mm-hmm. really. Um, I think because like Joss Whedon's writing really hasn't changed that much right. in, since yeah. 1992, and I think it took all of us a while to catch on to like, you know what, this is just kind of like campy and cheesy. That's that's what his thing is. He is he's really good at cheese, and it was entertaining for a long time. But uh, there's only some, some, only so many actors can pull off Whedon's cheese, and Nathan Fillion being like the leading, the leading candidate. Uh, but yeah. Nathan Fillion can make anything entertaining, right? So anyway, I did also watch uh, Scooby Doo, which mm. is great Halloween fair mm. five star movie. Yes. I'll be nothing of the sort. Yeah, I was really disappointed um, in that as a kid. We'll talk about that another day. Your childhood was sad. Yeah, <laughs> clearly we need to add Scooby Doo to the schedule. Yeah, definitely. So Some we point can in the work future. that out. Uh, which is, it's something to talk about. I have a lot of there were a lot of like mid, or, or, let's ninety nine to two thousand two. There were a lot of movies that came out that were targeting David that did not meet David's approval. Oh, mm. okay. We're talking. Well, how did you approve David? Let's move into the today's My topic. Pick? Your pick, The Shining, a classic, a cinematic classic in most people's minds uh this is your first time seeing it you picked it tell us why josh you can do you can do your thing i oh, was no, just gonna I, transition I just movie. To tell us why <laughs> a masterpiece of modern horror uh-huh. as so dubbed by stanley kubrick himself um can you do referring that? to the book or his own movie yeah that's his movie question. okay it, it, he 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 was like that's the that's the tagline put that on the poster and they were like can you call it a modern anyway um so Maybe first time ever seeing it my, I, I told you guys f- three or four weeks ago that my hope was that this movie would be so iconic that me, absolutely not, David Proc, would not be scared. And I was pretty much right. Um, the movie was, uh, you know, very different. So no, the reason I picked it is because it's Stephen King. It's Stanley Kubrick. Like, these are two, like, icons of... Uh, the world of fiction, if you will, cinema of writing. Uh, I'm not like the biggest Stephen King guy, but I appreciate that he has an incredibly long legacy mm-hmm. and a, a quite a prolific history of film adaptations of his work. Stanley Kubrick, one of the greatest directors of all time, and many would say that. Um, I've only seen one of Stanley Kubrick's films before this, um, so I wanted to kind of, you know, it's an excuse to expand that uh, particular blind spot, if you will. Uh, so that was one of those was kind of the reasons. And, you know, we have watched several hidden gems in the horror realm. We've watched some franchise films and I kind of felt like, you know, let's watch another one. That's kind of an icon of the genre. Uh, so that's why I picked it. Uh, as for my thoughts, uh, I thought that it was, uh, definitely creepy. It had a lot of moments where they built you up to be scared only to, like, cut your strings. You know what I mean? Like, they, you, you were expecting, like, okay, something really scary is about to happen, and they'd be like, Tuesday. You know, so, like, it was a lot of buildup and then, like, letting you have to stew with that buildup you just went through. Um, I thought that it's kind of interesting in its ambiguousness, you know? Like, are these ghosts real? Are they just sort of the conjured imaginations of this couple uh, and their son? And when it was over... I, I really, uh, I liked the ending a lot. When it was over, I was like, well, that was pretty good, but I wasn't that scared. But then I tried to go to sleep, and it lingered. You know, it lingered a little bit. And the next day, I was still kind of thinking about it. It was lingering. So, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Jack Nicholson was very creepy. Uh, and uh, got to say, uh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll go to you guys, but I, there's a specific person I want to talk about. Because I've seen this movie talked about a hundred times without ever seeing it, but there's something that I've never seen brought up, and I want to talk about it in a bit. But I, I'm interested to see what you guys thought, because I think you guys have seen it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie, I, uh, you know, listen, <clears throat> I don't remember when I saw this movie. I was probably maybe early teens, maybe younger. Not confident. It was I was a younger person. But I'm pretty sure that this is one of the reasons why I don't like 
creepy British children. I'm pretty sure. I don't think that kids this kids British. M- no, the, but the twins are. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and those kids are creepy. This movie, I think, creepy is the best way to to explain this. I mean, it is a slow descent into madness and it does it just sticks with you and it lingers and it really is performance driven i mean shelly duvall robert uh i'm sorry jack nicholson they're both fantastic um and then you've got everyone else there who deliver their parts well enough to be um efficient in my opinion i mean it it centers on those two um and then you know this time watching it as an adult uh for me it was like this story is about a narcissist realizing that he is bad at it (laughs) and he can't handle it and so he slowly is like dripping into madness because again uh david maybe one of the things that you were going to talk about is like shelly duvall's character throughout this whole movie is just getting shit done She's taking care of the hotel. She's taking care of her kid. She's doing the best she can to make her marriage work as a as a woman in the time. And uh, she's just kind of rolling the roost. And then you got uh, Jack over there really, 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 really struggling and uh, not handling it well. But for me, this movie, uh, again, um, is... Uh, a classic it does i think it holds up well for what it's trying to do i don't think it's as perfect as it wants to be according to stanley uh, but i think that it deserves its place on its i don't know legacy page yeah it's interesting um to me that stanley kubrick thinks that it's a perfect movie and it makes me wonder if he really says that because of how Stephen King famously hates it. Because mm. um, I, I I have always thought that was an interesting dynamic, that this is a movie that, that Stephen King regards as not good, uh, but it is regarded as one of the best uh, Stephen King movies <laughs> that there is. Um, I gotta say, though, I don't love this movie. <laughs> And I didn't feel like I loved it anymore upon watching it this time. I There's a lot of it I respect uh, from a filmmaking perspective. Like, there's some really cool stuff Stanley Kubrick does. Especially with, like, I loved the opening shots of them driving through the mountains. A lot of, I assume, helicopter work or something that just looked really cool. And uh, seeing it on... Uh, thank goodness Max put it on 4K so you know it wasn't letterboxed it was full screen you almost mm-hmm. never see that uh, on streaming anymore made it so cool to see so a lot of the shots I loved the cinematography the visuals of like the the hotel was extremely creepy the shots some of the iconic shots like the blood rushing through the elevator and filling mm-hmm. the, the, the hotel room the reveal in the shower of uh, like peeling old lady uh, (laughs) that Jack thought was uh, you know this young woman I like that stuff is is cool to see in a movie the story I just doesn't I don't care I think about the story Mm. And I don't really know why, and I've kind of struggled with that for a long time. In a way, I shouldn't because it's just a movie. But <laughs> I want to figure out, like, what is it about this movie that I don't care for? I tried to read the book at one point a few years ago, and I didn't finish it because I didn't like it. Um, but the performances are interesting. Jack Nicholson's very good. It's like I like watching what they're doing, and I wish the story was better, if that yeah. makes sense. So that's where that's I land on it. I'm 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 in the in a weird middle ground of liking what happened, but not liking the execution all the time. That's very interesting because you know from what I was what I've read, it wasn't well liked when it first came out. You know, it was a it was a lot of people said uh, even you know uh, sort of renowned uh, film critics like uh, Ebert and Robert they they didn't like it they the, didn't the even review it was nominated for several razzie awards as well yeah one and, uh shelly duvall won worst actress and it has since been rescinded by yeah, the because academy of razzies but there's been some revelations as to how poorly treated she was on the set 
leading to her to maybe give a really authentically stressed out performance. Right. Uh, you know, like I've heard more about this movie than I actually like. Have even experienced the movie. Exactly. Like since this is my first experience, but I've heard so many times about the 127 takes. I've heard about the, the blood scene uh, flowing down the hallway and how they had to shoot it twice. And it took two weeks to re- reset the shot. I've heard about, um, you know, uh, 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 the, the, the discourse between Stephen King and Stanley Kubrick, you know, whether or not they liked each other at all. His, uh, the, the woman who um, co-wrote the screenplay with Kubrick just crapped all over the, the book, the novel. Uh, in it, Have you guys ever heard this quote from uh, uh, Diane Johnson? Uh, I think that's who it is. She said, she she said this talking about them rewriting the script or rewriting the book for the script, right? Among she goes, among us, The Shining is not a part of great literature. It's scary, it's effective, and it works without further ado. But it's precisely, but it's precisely interesting to see how a very bad book can be very effective. It's quite pretentious, but it's also true that it has less scruples when destroying it or one has less scruples about destroying it, one is aware that a great work of art is not being destroyed. Uh, Which is pretty harsh. A pretty harsh review of Stephen King's The Shining. Uh, She was like, it's kind of okay that we're messing it up, because like it's a bad book. It has some scary parts in it that we can use. Um, Hmm. Pretty harsh. But, um, you know, and Kubrick talking about, like, he didn't think Jack Nicholson was right for the role. Because people would see Jack Nicholson and assume, oh, he's going to go crazy. Just look at it. You know, and I think that's kind of fair because <laughs> that is what I think when I see Jack Nicholson. This dude is one. Yeah. This dude is one uh, sleepless night away from going crazy. But you know, if you deliver a good performance mm-hmm. on yeah. an expected descent, mm-hmm. then like you do good. And and yeah, for me, um, you know, everybody always talks about Jack Nicholson's performance, and obviously that is the case. You know, again, this time I think this again. I, I saw this movie as a kid, um, roughly. So my attention to detail obviously stronger now. And so this time I was paying more attention to the story. And this is the first time that I've ever heard or noticed or paid attention to the story about how Danny got injured and how that plays an effective role throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that dynamic is something that's really interesting to see why Shelley Duvall is, is, I mean, obviously again, because of her treatment, she was like genuinely stressed out and, and just, screaming the whole time but like you can see how exacerbated she is and um i feel like any woman especially of the time you you know take into context all of the things that a woman and a wife and a mother had to do at the time to keep their family running to make sure that their abusive alcoholic husband didn't just absolutely come home and annihilate both of them right Mm -hmm. you had to juggle so many hats and and that i think understanding that and knowing everything that she is actually going through on her performance this watch made it more understandable and more like real and and like you could feel it for me and like i really appreciated her performance a lot whereas again i think that you know, in the past, she's been pan. It's been panned for her, just kind of like running and screaming and and being kind of breathless mm-hmm. um, throughout the whole movie. And and you know, really understanding at the core that this is a story about you know, a, and a, a kid that was abused and a family that's on the on the brink, um, and a writer again who is a genuine, seemingly narcissist and has a problem and and is is facing his issues of. What do I do? Uh, I have to take care. Do you know all of the pressures that I'm going through into my descent into madness while she's carrying everything on her back to make sure that he can have his privacy and his silence and sit in his den and be by himself? And, you know, you know, I, it's that for me that I appreciated this time. It wasn't necessarily the scares. I think that story was, um, again, as an adult seeing it and hearing it and, and seeing how it breaks down throughout the movie and, and, and how it impacts everything was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not what I expected in a lot of ways. Um, and there's also sort of, there's a, there's an element of like, it doesn't feel like everything fits together perfectly about it. And I think Kubrick talked about that as being something he, he liked about it was that he didn't want everything to just, 
perfectly flow together so that everybody could be all, I guess, congratulatory with like, oh, did you notice this and that and how this does that? Like he kind of likes that like things don't like room 237 doesn't really have much to do with the, you know, with what's going on in the ballroom, you know, or whatever. Like these things don't all connect in this like perfect little understandable way. Um, Something I wanted to talk about because in all the years that I have heard people talk about The Shining and I have heard people um, talk about all the crazy things about the set or about the, the, the working conditions or the performances. I have never heard anybody talk about the thing that surprised me the most because the characters were, I've known these characters through osmosis so well that I kind of had a hard time really connecting with a lot of them. So I connected with this character that I'd literally never seen in any media. And that is the character of Dick Halloran played by Scatman Crothers. Scatman was great in this. And like, he was so cool. He, he plays this cook who also has the shining and he talks to Danny about his gift and he talks and he, and he gets a psychic vision from Danny telling him something's wrong. And he, he comes to, he tries to come to the rescue. And I was actually like, why I was like, no one ever, I've never seen anybody talk about this element of the movie. It's a whole other half of the movie that I've never seen special clips of. I've seen, you know, special clips of, this and that and Jack Nicholson doing this and hey have you ever noticed that this symbol in the background I've never once seen anybody talk about how great a performance Scatman Crothers gives in this I was really impressed by that I don't know if that's a little weird to bring up but that's something that stood out to me in as a first time viewer interesting because I mean that's essentially who Groundskeeper Willie is in the version of the Simpsons of this mm-hmm. uh, the shinning so <laughs> I mean <laughs> if you haven't seen, I mean, if you haven't seen the pop culture of that, that's the connection there. That you I've done it tonight now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should go. You should definitely go watch the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror Shining version of this. It's a classic, absolute masterpiece of the uh, rip uh, rip off of this. It's it's wonderful, <laughs> to, wonderful. Five stars. Tonight it happens. Um, it's probably on Max as well. Um, D plus Disney plus. Mm. Yeah, David. I think that's an interesting. You know. Uh, I think that, you know, it, it is a pretty um, good performance. Mm-hmm. I think that he delivers a lot of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, he connects in a sweet way. And yeah, whenever he goes down, it's devastating. Yeah. I was genuinely upset that like he's, spoiler alert, he's the only one that dies. Uh, and, uh, and well, technically, I mean, I guess technically Jack dies as well. Uh, midway through, I asked my wife, I said, what is, who, what's the name of Jack Nicholson's character? And she goes, Jack. And I go, that makes it easy. I can remember that now. Oh, yeah, right. Jack. Uh, no, I think that's a good. I, I think that's a good observation too. I mean, I like. I think he's a good character, and you don't hear a lot about um, that character. It's usually, uh, it's usually Jack Nicholson. To be honest, you, mm-hmm. you hear you hear a lot of here's Johnny and mm-hmm. um, Red Ram, which mm-hmm. got to a point where it annoyed another reason out I don't like creepy kids. <laughs> and I think yeah. that also kind yeah, of sucked me out of it a little bit, where I was like, okay, why does he have to? put on that annoying voice when he says it mm. to distinguish the difference between danny and right, tommy i get that but i also just knew the difference at that point <laughs> uh, um, just a real quick sidestep while we're talking about danny yes. um, i started watching today dr sleep mm-hmm. have you guys seen dr yeah, sleep I haven't. Do you know about can dr. you believe sleep? it's almost four years old already okay i know and so I feel like it's one of those movies. It came out like right before the pandemic, yeah. I think. Um, and, and people I think were interested in it. And then I think people thought it was going to be scary. And then people found out it was like a sequel to the shining and they were like, what It's going to be really scary. And then I don't think it was scary. And I think people were disappointed. in mm-hmm. it. And so I walked into it relatively blind, not knowing much about it, not ha- having much expectations. It's long. It's two and a half hours. Um, but it does pick up on Danny and um uh and his life kind of after going through all of this mm-hmm. and it explains so far again i'm i haven't finished it yet but it explains a lot that you may not see or understand about the shining and how it works and it it's been super interesting so far mm-hmm. again i would i don't necessarily say that i would call it scary so far but it's slow it's got a good cast and they all deliver an interesting performance and it again it gives me a little more that I might want to know about how this whole thing works. And so it's been interesting. 
just yeah, I've heard time. that it's a better adaptation of the Doctor Sleep book than The Shining is of The Shining book, but still kind of a good sequel to either. Um, is kind of what I've heard. Um, and I thought about recommending that, but I'd never seen The Shining, so I was like, "Well, I got to see one before I see." Yeah, it would be strange for us to do a sequel Definitely. without. But uh, you know, an interesting element of this, as we as I, I watching it the first time, is that. Um, a lot of things I didn't know, like uh, the, I didn't know like what happens with the twins. I always just see the twins in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what happened. Like I was like, where, where do they lead Danny? What do they take him to? And that really doesn't. They kind of like uh, have their moment and then they're just gone. Um, and there are a couple other instances like that. Um, the idea of this sort of like uh, almost possession kind of thing of this, uh, you know, this groundskeeper who's always there or whatever, right? That that sort of storyline. But the, one of the more interesting things is that the movie just sort of ends. It, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't like, yeah. you know, um, there was a scene I read that was cut that showed Danny and uh, uh, Wendy uh, getting to a hospital and talking to doctors and police and them saying something like, we couldn't find Jack's body or something like that. But... Um, they cut that after after the movie had already gone out. They decided they retroactively went and said, cut that last six minutes or whatever. So the movie, you know, you see Danny and them get away. You see Jack's body and that's just it. It's just over, and, which is kind of fascinating to me that there's not really like a, a resolution, you know, a, 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 you know a, a place to wind down. It's like, here's the climax and you're done. What would you guys think of that? I, I don't – I. I it, I wasn't satisfied with it. I guess is mm. what I'll say. Um, I, I and I don't I don't know what would have satisfied me at that point because, like I said, I was struggling. I I struggle with the story anyway. It really just has to end with. It just has to end with, with Jack ending. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was fine. I don't even have much to add to it. Yeah, the ending is not the strongest part of this movie um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I've never fully, to be honest with you, I've never fully understood the ending where they zoom in on the picture and he's there and then it's him again. And I'm kind of like, what am I supposed to take away from this? This doesn't really connect to any of this that's kind of happened. Um, The part where the ghost just kind of unlocks the freezer and lets Jack out, I was like, ah, that seems like a cop-out. I mean, like... "Mm." Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of reading over the last few days about all this. I'm convinced nobody knows what that freaking last picture is supposed to be, even Kubrick. Kubrick can say he knows and that it's for us to never find out. I don't even think he knows. I think they were just like, what if this happened? Yeah, oh, great, do that. Who knows what it means? But I also think... Uh, something I do appreciate that what Kubrick said, something Kubrick said was, is that he wanted there to be this uncertainty about whether or not these ghosts are real, right? Whereas in The Shining, it's apparently in the book, it's plainly obvious the ghosts are real. That's what the book's about, about ghosts, right? And this, he wanted there to be some questioning of whether or not these ghosts are real or if it's Jack's imagination, if it's if it's Danny's imagination, if they're all just kind of through this extreme isolation, just starting to visualize their fears right and i like that he said what he wanted to do though was leave just a little a few things to make you the audience question it even a little bit more like how does that door unlock and he said that he hoped that if he introduced that late enough into the movie that you would almost miss it and you'd have to think back wait a minute was the ghost wait a minute how did he get out you know what i mean so uh, i remember thinking it uh, towards the end uh, myself thinking wait a minute, how do you get out of that room? Um, but yeah, so I, I, I like that as trying to play with the audience a little bit, but it is like, sometimes I'm just wondering like, were they rewriting as they were going and that's just how they fix it later? Or is that really, you know, like, who, you know. It's a, if at any point yeah, in time I was supposed to question if the ghosts were real or not, I didn't. So um, do, you, do you think they're real? Or do you think they're not? I mean, real? I... I I was led to believe that they are. So they were, again, there were some t- some things that I just didn't fully understand how they were working. Like, um, again, Jack's interaction with Groundskeeper in the bar and like how everybody kind of knew him and, and how it tied in and stuff. It, but I think that the more interesting dynamic if presented that way is, you know, there should have been some kind of 
tension as to whether again with the going back to the the story that is driving all of this about Danny and him being hurt um, there should have been more tension built around whether or not Jack was doing this stuff or if the ghosts were real um, that was never presented to me and if that was what he was shooting for then I'd say he failed miserably because <laughs> that was never a thing that I thought I never well, once thought that Jack was doing anything I know that he had done it but at no point in time during this time frame did they present me with any evidence that got me close to thinking that Jack did it other than he has done it before in the past and that's not good enough may have been back then. Yeah, to me, when you introduce a supernatural element like The Shining, I, of course I believe the ghosts are real. Mm. Also, like, I just do. Yeah. So I thought they were real as well. Well, that's the thing, is, like, I have... Uh, it's it's kind of hard to figure out... with, a, with a, When a movie becomes sort of a cult classic and becomes sort of analyzed, I think, to the level that, like, The Shining has been analyzed... Because I, over the last few days, have read everything from The Shining as a metaphor about the treatment of African Americans to the treatment of Native Americans to the treatment of a, to, to, it's a, it's a metaphor for the Holocaust. Like, The Shining is literally a metaphor for any bad thing that's ever happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not to say that any of those analyses are invalid. I'm just saying I have now read several different analyses that, that make it a metaphor for various different things. Um, but I think when you get to that point, it is kind of hard to now go back and retroactively figure out like what was like, have people did, did someone along the way say, Hey, I don't think the ghosts are real. And that just kind of spread as an urban legend when this thing couldn't be viewed as a DVD over and over again, or on max over and over again. And so, you know, if you only got to see the shining once and then 10 years later, you finally saw it again, you were like, wait a minute, I thought this, or I thought that, you know, you sort of create, you know, Mandela effect your own versions of it and then certain versions spread through classroom talk, um, things like that. So I don't know. I don't know. That's all I'm saying is like, it is, is, uh, watching it. There were times where it definitely seemed like people were just going a little crazy. They were super stressed out there, you know, but also I think Gary, you, you picked up on the, the, the abuse element with Danny and how that definitely seems to be, an undercurrent that I think more people have picked up on over time as being maybe the real, more of the real story um, underneath. And, and uh, it might be worth watching again, just to kind of pick up on those things. Yeah. I, you know, again, this, this moment, this, I think this movie lives in the moments that are successful mm-hmm. because the iconic yeah. moments that it has created over time. I think that, is more where this movie relies. And again, I do think that the performances help. I think that the slow descent into madness is kind of like, um, maybe not the best comparison, but like a paranormal activity, what they were trying to give you in their slow burn delivery with like these tense moments Mm -hmm. that may or may not deliver something, but makes you question what's around the corner every step of the way. Um, and I think that kind of creepiness and unsettlingness is what lingers, David. I think that this movie does just sit with you for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's still a successful app. Can we? Can I ask you guys, because you may have thoughts. Josh, I assume based on your, your previous uh, statements that you probably have no thoughts about it. Uh, what the hell was with that bear, man? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. What's with that weird furry scene? I don't know. And why was he doing what he was doing? You know, what was that? Why was he doing that? There's like, (laughs) and, 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 and as we were talking about it, I looked up to see like, oh, someone smart must have come up with some metaphor for what this is about. I'd much rather have a discussion about is the, is the bear man real? Not the ghost. (laughs) It was, nobody really knows what this bear sequence is about. It's very short, very brief, but it appears that a bear man is performing sexual acts on a very posh British looking guy. And neither of them seem thrilled about it. No, the the bear seems quite upset. Um, But the closest that we can come to any sort of uh, analysis that has come about is kind of tied to what Garrett's talking about is that actually Jack's abuse of Danny goes deeper than just physical abuse and goes all the way down to sexual abuse. That's what they believe is there because if you watch the movie, there are quite a few bear motifs around Danny, either on his shirts, on his bed, on his, uh, he has like a picture of, of bear somewhere around his bed, his bed at home. 
Um, and then there are also, uh, at one point, Jack, when he's laying on his bed, has a, a cover of Playgirl that says, that has the, and, and, and people have pointed out that one of the articles on the cover says, why do parents have sex with their children or something like that? So there are people who are picking up that maybe Jack has been sexually abusing Danny, and that's what that little vision, and that Wendy, the mom, has been repressing that as and claiming it was simply you know, physical abuse of put it, pulling his arm out of stretch or something like that. And in that moment, she sees, you know, an, 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 an illyrid vision of that in the form of bear man. I got to say, Woof. whether that holds true or not. Well, never it, th- right. But the attention to detail that's present enough to allow people to continue to have conversations like that for so long it does make me understand why the movie is is so well respected. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there are things about it that are very good, and I just think it's not for me. <laughs> okay, that's well, all I can come yeah, to the conclusion would... of is like it's not that it's bad, because yeah, yeah, I mean, any movie that can inspire that kind of conversation about what does this mean, what did that mean, are the ghosts real, mm-hmm. is this real, uh, is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else, boys? Anything else before we get into the box office? I had a um, fun time watching this with my wife because she's seen it several times. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to a movie that's kind of uh, older like this, or I'm not feeling, I'm feeling a little bit more confident uh, when I'm watching it. I kind of try to make a few more jokes. So at one point, the 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 hotel owner, he's like, "Isolation can be very troubling for people." And Jack, so Jack Nicholson's like. I don't imagine it'll be troubling for me or something like that. We'll love it. And I'm like, I looked at my wife and I go, I don't think he's going to have an easy time with it. And uh, she laughed and she goes, you know what happens, right? And I go, well, of course I do. What am I going to do? Um, and then uh, there was one point later, I can't remember what it was. Now, now I've forgotten it. But I was just, I was just making fun of uh, uh, Jack said something crazy. And I was like, I got a bad feeling about Jack. Uh, and it just, uh, it's just so kind of obvious what's about to happen i guess even if i even if i had never heard anything about this movie it's kind of very obvious what's about to happen to these people and i'll also say there is some truth to to what you said earlier about the idea of jack nicholson being too crazy seeming Mm -hmm. for this role because like he does seem crazy before he actually turns it seems like a total (laughs) like he doesn't ever he had never at no point seems like a normal person no. Um, so I get that He's, criticism that, and especially in that scene, it's really evident because I remember thinking, this man is really doing everything in his power to tell him not to take this job. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I love it. I, someone like, was murdered in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Sounds That great. kind of stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, like, he's literally sounds like he could not wait to get this job at this hotel. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's always been there. Who knows? But, you know, uh, King suggested uh, Martin Sheen for the role. He also suggested John Voight or Michael Moriarty. Could you picture... Uh, well, I don't think we should turn Mike Stephen Martin. King for casting anything. Soon. <laughs> All of those choices I... I don't, you don't think Martin Sheen have a problem with. I think Martin Sheen Maybe, could do it. I but I just don't see him in that choice. kind of role either. And that's because he's your president. He is my president. Now, according <laughs> to... Now his son, I could see. <laughs> Charlie, yeah, no, specifically that problem. son. That's the same problem as as Jack Nicholson. He'd be saying like, mm, whatever, you know. Whenever John the Voight guy says has become that thing. over. To John Voight has just lived that over time. I mean, he really has been the slow descent into madness that this shiny. movie embodies. So, I mean, I guess I could see him doing it. Other than I don't want him to, but like he's literally done it. <laughs> so. So some other- he is now like the peeling old woman, I think, at the end of the I think that's what he's morphed into. <laughs> he is. Oh, everything man. I know about John Voight, essentially, is um, the uh, the episode of Seinfeld where George buys, he thinks he buys John Voight's car. John Voight's car. And uh, Holes. <laughs> the, 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 holes. The Disney movie Holes. Oh, what sucks. a great movie Holes. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't talk about this was we earlier this year when we did Game Night Month. We did a re- we watched a movie that had a, a big reference to The Shining. We Ready did. Player Ready One. Player One. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. partly what inspired me to pick it this year. And that was a choice by Spielberg and them because in the book Ready Player One, uh, the movie they go into is War Games. Mm-hmm. And they change it to The Shining for the film, so that was also done on purpose. Yeah. Um, 
some other so 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 kubrick wanted nicholson from the beginning is what i've read but there were a few other actors that he has named or have been named over time that he did consider those include robert de niro okay harrison ford Hmm. and it's hard to believe but robin williams oh dear we're all do it well robin could do it Honestly, all three of those guys could have done it, I think. Probably. Robin would have been the one that would, like, I think it would have irrevocably changed his career. Potentially. Uh, especially if the movie had become such a cult classic as it did with Nicholson. Yeah. I think it would have, like, everybody would have seen Robin Williams as, like, a inher- person who has inherently terrifying I think, elements to him. I think he took his turn into drama and horror exactly when he should have. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But anyway, Harrison Ford would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. De Niro is great at going calm to crazy, so that would have been good, especially back then. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. All right. Well, well do you have any other good. fun facts about The Shining and the casting before we head into this box office? I do not. Okay. I, I do not. I, I, I'm happy to say that I wasn't that scared, but I have thought about it a lot. It has stuck with me. It's not a movie I no. find particularly scary either, but... I don't fault it for that, really. Scary imagery, yeah. but nothing to... You know, there's a stillness to it. It's a very still movie, and I think that's because it's one of the first movies to use Steadicam. But, like, the movie isn't, like, jarring or shaky. It's very still, and I appreciate that. Um, but I can talk about some box office here real quick. Not a lot of details to say, um, because uh, The Shining opened Memorial Day weekend, May 23rd, 1980, in just 10 theaters bringing in $622,000 in its opening weekend. That's the third highest opening for a movie in less than 10 theaters or 10 theaters or less. Um, I think only behind like uh, the first Star Wars and uh, something else. I can't remember. Um, It was the number three movie of that weekend. Only at least only three movies have uh, reported numbers according to Box Office Mojo. Uh, The number one movie that weekend was Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. And the Gong Show, the movie. So that's your that's your uh, that's your weekend at the box office. There uh, for the year of nineteen eighty, the number one movie of the year was The Empire Strikes Back, bringing in two hundred nine thousand dollars or excuse me, two hundred nine million dollars uh, at the domestic box office. Uh, the number two movie was Nine to Five, starring uh, Dolly Parton, uh, Jane Fonda, isn't it? Maybe some other people. Great, great uh, cast in 9 to 5, yeah. Uh, a great movie, great song, everything, mm-hmm. great play. Uh, number three, Stir Crazy, starring Richard Pryor and Gene... Uh, uh, Wilder? Wilder. Hackman? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Hackman and Siskel were the two names that jumped into my head, and I was like, no, neither of those two. The other one, Gene Wilder. Uh, and then at number five, Any Which Way You Can. The Shining was the number 14 movie in 1980 with a final domestic total of 44 million dollars it did play overseas because um as I, I was reading that there is an alternate cut that was shown in the in uh in europe mostly they cut out the scene with the doctor at the beginning and the scene where scatman crothers talks to that guy where he's like hey man there's some assholes up there and i gotta go get them like they cut that scene they cut the scene with the doctor um towards the beginning of the movie but uh, yeah, so uh, I don't really know what the international numbers are. That number is not given here. But The Shining, forty-four million dollars in the United States, just behind Urban Cowboy, John Voight. Um, so we'll we'll leave it there and go to the letterbox game. <laughs> all right. Yes, it is time uh, for us all to guess what we think the letterbox community has rated The Shining. First, let's uh, talk about some of uh, the f- my, some of my favorite reviews for this movie on Letterbox. Uh, we got three and a half stars from Jamie says something in this movie happens. Some guy who just loves going absolutely crazy on the cello. That's my cue. <laughs> <laughs> um, five stars. I maintain that the scene with the guy in the bear costume is just something random and nobody in the film had any idea what it was supposed to mean. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, five stars from Abigail. If it was me, I would have simply not gone crazy. and then finally uh five stars (laughs) a tuxedo clad man with a furry fetish has the best night of his life rudely interrupted by a marital dispute (laughs) i'm glad more people want to know about the bear (laughs) yes uh it was it caught me off guard i don't think i've ever heard anybody talk about scatman crothers or that stinking bear man and here we go 
So those were funny, but they also were some five stars in there too. So, mm. and we know this movie. We talked about how it was not really loved at first, and is now considered a cult classic and one of the best films ever made. I think it's on AFI's top one hundred movies list. Mm-hmm. So, what do we think? Yeah, um, Garrett, you're in last place. It's up to you. I am gonna go higher. I'm gonna be at like a four point one. Oh, that's a good guess. That is a Josh? good guess. That is a good guess. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna go higher, Ooh. higher, higher, further, faster, baby, or whatever Captain Marvel says, <laughs> and I'm gonna go with four point three. That's a good. I think that's a good. I think that's a good call and and raise there, or check raise, whatever you. I don't know. Yeah. Poker term. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go lower, and I'm gonna say a solid four point Okay. okay, we got. I think we, we got, all. I think we all are pretty sure it's a. It's a four or better. We we have all seen confident. Yeah. So we got. A 4. We need a tiebreaker to get ready. We got a four point one and we got a four point three. Is our guesses here? Uh, I can say that uh, David won't need the tiebreaker, so you're good there. And we have a direct hit. And it always feels so anticlimactic when I say that it's me because it was four point three. You gotta own it. You gotta 4. celebrate. 3. it. Uh, I know. I know. Oh, wow. But it I always. Really... I gotta say, it always feels like, oh yeah, the guy who announces won. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't know. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it is a four point three, based on one point three million ratings. Big, big, big. Uh, that's a lot of ratings. Big, big watch over yeah. at Letterboxd. Yeah. yeah, they they celebrate. This is definitely stars. a film fan movie, friends. Yeah, I bet it's I bet it's high on the list of. I'm glad to finally check it off my list. Rewatched movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Congratulations, never David. Had it logged, you made it through. So I'm excited to have it logged now. Yeah, I usually only log movies when I've seen them, or well, that's not true. I logged a whole ton of movies when I first got on the app uh, because yeah. I have literally nothing better to do. Um, uh, so, Josh, that brings you up to 11 on the year with that direct hit. Nine wins. Closer. 11 points. You're only behind me by four. Oh, my so it's gosh. It's getting exciting. The comeback kid. You're getting, it's getting hey, listen, exciting we, down this we're only We are only in October. On ice. We got We got two months left. It's happening. I think. Anything Hang can on. happen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, I'm sorry. You're at 12. I miscounted. Even better. Red you're 12. So now you're only three behind me. Wow. Wow. Okay. Garrett, okay. Okay. Pulling up at, in, in, at last with eight, but hey, I'm two not, direct I'm not hits and he's back out. in this. Yeah, I'm not that's that far out. It's I a close skirt. race here and it's getting competitive at the end, and I like that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I haven't won since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Whoa. That's, that was a few months, a little while ago. That was back, yes, that was back at the beginning of Animation August. That's right. So. We're getting closer. Hey, the only reason that this is happening is because we changed the rules uh, to start the season, and then we changed it when I came back because you just kept winning. Yeah. Well, you just, I love that <laughs> we just changed the rules of our we game. Had to give to the, we had to give the last place people the advantage. Usually the people who are winning get the advantage, well, but the last place people need, you needed a handicap. <laughs> I, I really thought that going first was my handicap at first because I was like, well, because well, they can just box me out. You they can just the pick all the other sides. First, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I really, honestly, after I said 4.0, I was so nervous it was going to be 4.2. Uh, so, that's great. So, yeah. I, I look forward to putting some other Kubrick movies on my lit mom, uh, on my watch list in the future. Uh, I've now seen two. <laughs> I saw this and Full Metal Jacket. Those are the only two Kubrick films I've seen. I need to catch up on the rest. Um, but I'm going to, today, give The Shining four stars. Four stars from David. Okay. I will do the same. Four stars from Garrett. Okay. I'm going to give it a respectful three. There you go. Ooh. Um, there you go. I, can't, I, I can't get it up to four just because of my personal lack of enjoyment, but I do think it is a very well-made movie and deserves a lot of the attention that it gets. Uh, but also, you know, 
There's some, you know, you talk, you mentioned the Shelley Duvall, Stanley Kubrick stuff. There's some stuff about her that has aged poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just kind of takes some of the fun out of it. So, three stars for me, which will have us average a little lower than Letterboxd, but that's okay sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Sometimes a big movie's got to get put in check. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and we're here to do that. So, we have completed all of our picks... For so many scares, which means that we have one more left, which is going to come from uh, you, the people watching or listening to the show. So be sure to check us out on our social channels. You can find links to those at SoManySequels.com, but just search So Many Sequels on on Instagram, on TikTok, on Threads or Facebook, and, and send us a message, tag us in something, let us know what movie you think we should do for the last uh, so many scares of the month whether you want to scare the crap out of us whether you want to treat us to a nice maybe family friendly Halloween movie uh, oh my god I haven't watched Casper exactly. yet this year that'd be great if I could watch Casper some Casper would be great mm-hmm. and we've never covered mm-hmm. it love Casper I mentioned Scooby Doo I'd watch yes. that again mm-hmm. so send us those suggestions we're also going to put some polls up from some of those suggestions and have people vote so look for those probably on our Instagram story uh, over the next week or so, and uh, we'll we hope to find out very soon what you're going to subject us to, uh, good or bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, do that at so many sequels.com. Grab the links there and uh, let us know what we should do. Um, and that wraps up the show. Really, um, after so many scares, we'll have the rest. We'll, we'll finish out the rest of the year strong. Going into November and December for our Christmas movie month. So many Santas. So there's still stuff to look forward to before the year ends. Uh, So be sure you subscribe, too. Subscribe in your podcast app of choice or on YouTube. You can subscribe to us there. That's all. We'll see you all next time for the final scare of the month.